So with Prathiba Batley, Dirty Secrets is a short film played at under five minute film festival. It's a dance film. You are the director, but you're also the star too, correct? Yes. And this is your first film? This is my first film. So so being you're a dancer by trade? Yes, I am. Uh, not by trade. Well, by training. Uh, I'm a professor of statistics, actually, by trade. Professor of statistics, but also a dancer. A dancer, yeah. And where are you, professor of statistics? I'm currently professor of statistics at the University of Louisville. Oh, it's a big school. How, yeah. how they, how's Louisville doing? Louisville is doing very well. Yeah. They like their basketball. They like their football, I guess, right? They like their, they like their sports, yeah. They like their sports. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, there's like, yeah, I got Cincinnati around there. You got like, it's a pretty interesting area, right? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So tell me about, so what, what prompted you to basically make your first film and kind of do this dance film for yourself? Like I'm, statistics take a lot, a lot of work, I'm assuming. So how did you get time to, and what motivated you to do this film? Um, well, I have two, I have three loves, uh, really statistics, dance, of course, my spouse, um, but I've been a dancer for 32 years now, and I have a dance company called Yakum. Yakum in Tamil, my mother tongue, means movement. For me, dance is not just a physical movement, but it can, it's also a social movement and a political movement. It can mean so much more than just a choreographed sequence. And this is the reason why I named my dance company as Iyakam Dance Company. And the dance that I do is called Bharatanatyam. It's an Indian dance whose roots go back to at least 2000 years ago. And it has evolved across time. It has a lot of, it's a beautiful dance form, but it has a lot of um, hegemonies about it uh, in terms of religion and caste and doesn't give women <clears throat> a whole lot of agency. So my aim in creating my dance company is to rid Bharatanatyam of all these issues, to make Bharatanatyam more current, to talk about current issues, human issues, political issues, and social issues. And in that line of thinking came this idea to make this short film called Dirty Secrets. Originally, there was a there was a different idea, but but to make a, a movie of, about rape, which was sparked by the case, the gang rape case in India, in New Delhi, I think it was in 2014, the Nirbhaya case, not sure if you know about it, 2014 or 15, and it shook the world. And so I thought, you know, maybe we should start talking about all of our experiences, because there is this idea that just because India has a lot of Hindus, I'm going to be politically incorrect here, Hindus are the majority in India, mm. and Hindus worship gods and goddesses. So they kind of use that as a platform to say, oh, we worship women, but then there is a lot of violence and uh, again, it's hypocrisy, basically. Yeah, there's that hypocrisy as well. So my point is, you know, you don't have to look at me as a goddess; just look at me as a fellow human being. And this is a this is autobiographical. This is everything I talk about in the film has happened to me. And part of me also wanted to say that <clears throat> this is not happening just in India, just in the East, because the West 
is a culprit in this as well. There are lots of things happening in the West. And in fact, I had to leave my previous job as full professor because I was sexually harassed by somebody in my own department. And um, even after Title IX um, investigations and all of that, they they just basically said, you know, this is we know it happened. We can we can see that it happened, but yeah. it's up to you to come to closure with yourself, to find closure yourself, right? Who 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 said that? Was that a committee who said that? Was that a person who said that? It was a, a committee that determined that sexual harassment had happened. It was Title IX lawyers and yeah. um, and all of that. But it was a person higher up in the administration, in the provost's office, who said, I'm so sorry this happened to you, but you've got to find closure yourself. We're not going to do anything about it. Do you mind saying what university that was or no? Pardon me? Do you mind stating what university that was that where that happened? Sure. I mean, anybody who looks up my profile can sure. say and see where, where it was. It was the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that I'm sorry to hear that. That's uh, and uh, it's it's sort of like it's almost like I want revenge on that person by hearing that story. So <laughs> the the issue, you know, the issue for me is, you know, by that time I had already kind of started making this short film. So the interesting story here is that my perpetrator, the guy who was the person who was actually harassing me for years and years and years, and had complained about it to my department chair, nothing happened. He basically said, oh, he's a Texan. You know, I know I don't think he means what he's saying, blah, 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 that sort of thing. Right. And then at some point, uh, first of all, that's very offensive to Texans because they're very nice people. Um, And Finally, when I made this complaint and all of that, there was an initial trailer of this film that had come out. So my perpetrator downloaded the trailer and took it to the Title IX attorney and said, um, I want you to Google her name. And the Title IX attorney said, no, I'm not doing it. What, What would I find? He said, well, I've found it for you. And he shows her the trailer and he says, look at this. She's claiming that she is a victim of sexual harassment and sexual abuse. And she's just using this case so that she can become famous and she can create some um, advertising for her film. But it has not really happened. She's just using me as a bait to show that sexual harassment has happened. And uh, it was it was interesting to read that report. I mean, they shouldn't have somebody leaked that report to me. They shouldn't have given it to me, but uh, I got to see it and. I realized how pathetic, how pathetic this case was. Yeah, well, that's there's so many holes in that, 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 like, yeah, that's the one where that, that's how you're going to become famous is you're going to, you're right. going to make a, a short dance film because everybody makes short dance films become famous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no. it, was, it was it was pathetic. But, you know, I mean, I think I have I have an arrogance about me because I've survived. I've you know, I come from you know, my stories. I grew up in India. I grew up under very humble circumstances. My mother was a single parent, which is a big taboo for a single woman to have mm-hmm. two children in those days. when we were growing up. We didn't have much money. I grew up under uh, in a house that had an asbestos roof, which was basically which basically served as the roof for the people who lived underneath. And they had made a few makeshift rooms and then asbestos roofs. So 
when it was the Indian summers were so hot under the roof and the Indian monsoons, you could see water pouring down the roof and onto the bed and onto the entire house as well. So it's it's only through, you know, through hard work, perseverance and encouragement of my mother, I've achieved what I have achieved. And um, so it, it was not the first time for me to come across this kind of an obstacle in my previous job. But because I have this arrogance about me that I have, you know, I've, I have published a fair bit, I have accomplished quite a bit in the field of statistics. So I didn't have a problem finding another job, I didn't have a problem moving away from that toxicity, because especially after they said, well, you're not going to find closure here, you need to find it yourself. That was the nail in the coffin that I realized, you know, I can keep fighting this or I can find my peace somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the film uh, itself. Like I, I think you noted, I was looking at the credits. It's basically an all female, like the costume yeah. designers, the, the the composer was female. That was like, I'm assuming that was done on purpose to, to make it all have an all female crew. Actually, it, it it just so happened and we realized, wow, this is an all-female crew. That's a better uh, answer, yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't set it out to make it an all-female crew, uh, you know, uh, by design. It just happened to be. The people who bought into it, the people I felt more most comfortable sharing it with all happened to be women because when I first wrote the script, I was so scared about sh sharing it. In fact, my husband... Uh, encouraged me to write some of the things like for example i was six when i was raped when i was telling him when i was sharing the original script with him he looked at it and he said why don't you talk about your rape in this and i said well that's so personal and i feel like i would that would make me look so vulnerable i'm not mm -hmm. ready to open that up to the world and then i i told him you know what about what about people in my extended family and my friends who have known me for a long time they would feel so bad for me they would feel such pain for me he said it's not going to be bigger than the pain that you felt and you have had to deal with your entire life if you yeah. don't see it who else will say it right uh so when i wrote the script and i shared it with a few people they all happened to be women and i was so scared about sh sharing it because it was, it was so personal it was so personal and finally when i shared it there were women who cried. There were women who said, most women said that they identified with some line or the other. I recently showed it at a Tamar gathering. There's a Tamar version of the film. I, sh I showed it at that gathering in St. Louis. And there was an instant standing ovation. And women came up to me and they said, oh, we know exactly. I can feel what you went through. I've been through this. I've been through that. Um, there have been women who cried. Um, who started going to therapy after they heard my script, who saw the film. So I felt like, you know, that was so powerful that I had to, I had to make this, you know, it, it made, it gave me some validity. But at the same time, the, the reason why it ended up being an all-female cast is also probably because I felt most comfortable sharing it with women. Yeah. And that's how it, it just evolved into an all-female cast so tell me about the choreography <clears throat> so, so the good sorry go ahead no i was gonna sometimes gonna say tell me about the choreography like uh you you you, you basically created it so tell me about that kind of that, <laughs> that creative process 
So actually, so what I do in this is Bharatanatyam. It's an Indian dance form. So for people who don't know the dance form, they might look at it and see maybe the facial expressions or some of the movements and think they'd look beautiful. But actually each hand gesture that I do has a specific meaning. Like for example, um, like in, in the beginning, I would do this and release uh, saying, you know, um, mm -hmm. I tear her like a cock too tight for the uh, bottle and then I'm born. So this this particular mudra or hand gesture is used to show the contraction of the uterus muscles and then the release of the baby. So like that, every single hand gesture that I do has a meaning to it. Mm. Um, you know, for example, when I wanted to help Appa fix his bike and I show this, this, that's the wheel of the bike. And then that's the cooking, you know, helping in helping in the kitchen instead, the cooking stuff. So there was a lot there is a lot of information that has gone into there is a, there is a lot of there are a lot of nuances that have gone into the Bharatanatyam choreography itself as well so and and it, it, it at some point i have to think about will the general public understand it and will the Bharatanatyam dancers understand it? So it's, it's made for two different kinds of audiences as well. Um, I want to make sure that the general public at least to get the gist of it, even if they don't understand the specific mudras and the hand gestures. So we, because you referenced it in the blog interview, like we, I, we sent you the audience feedback and they got, they didn't, they didn't pick up on the hand gestures, but they picked up on the nuance or the thematic of your film, I guess. Right. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So, but it's subconscious too. Like the hand gestures are like, we were, we're picking up on it. Like not to sound flaky, but we're picking up on it. We're just not consciously understanding what's happening, I guess. Right. That's true. That's true. And it's interesting because in the feedback, somebody had mentioned about the hair as well, because I had the hair tied up in the beginning. Yeah. And then uh, when I moved to North America, I let my hair loose. And that's a, that was a very deliberate decision because in India, especially in the middle class families, when I was growing up, it's, it was considered taboo to leave your hair loose. Yeah. Uh, it was considered a, almost like a loose woman kind of gesture. If you're leaving your hair loose, you're, you're trying to attract men and that sort of thing. So you're expected to keep it tied all the time. Yeah. But, you know, you have that feeling of, and I kept it tied all the time. And then when I, so my hair that you see in the film is my original hair. I mean, I have very long hair. And when I came to America, suddenly I felt like, wow, I could leave this loose. Nobody cares about it. Nobody gives a damn about it. All all, all they do is come and tell me that how beautiful my hair is, actually. Yeah. So even that is a certain sense of freedom. Uh, I know that's a very small sense of freedom, but even those small things matter. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like, uh, my wife and my daughter, uh they're they have long hair but it's like people see your hair and it's like they love your hair like, like i'm just saying from my experience with yeah. like here talking to my daughter and my wife and it's like it's so interesting it's like how like you have beautiful hair and like most people would like love to have your hair and then basically in your culture in your country that you guys have to hide it it's just something interesting about about that kind of aspect it's like right. there's something that's so beautiful that you have to hide what's beautiful that you have yeah you're, you're, you're even expected to not look as attractive, right? And that's the whole, that's the whole problem. Um, I, I remember some of my friends, one of my friends, she comes from a 
very cons particularly conservative family and um you know we typically in the south in south india and in tamil nadu where i come from the state where i come from we keep flowers in her in our hair you can, you can say i'm wearing i'm wearing jasmine flowers in my hair so one of my friends she said you know for my sister's wedding i kept a lot of flowers in my hair because i have long hair and my dad immediately looked at me and he said chop down the number of flowers you're having in your hair um because he was so scared that men were going to pay attention to her yeah and um you know for her to look less attractive was very yeah. important so uh this is a general question is that is, have things evolved a little bit in in India I I've heard this is what I've heard from my perspective is that true like they're they're, they're learning a little bit the older generations are being more accepting I'm being general of course yeah yeah it is uh, happening yeah 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 it is happening the world the, the only the only downside is that the world is progressing at let's say 60 miles per hour but the status of the female is progressing at maybe 6 kilometers a day <laughs> i mean so, it's that different yeah. it it's at a very at, at a fraction of that speed right gotcha. um, <clears throat> and when i go to like recently i gave some interviews on youtube for some of these tamar channels and i was wearing a sari which is a traditional outfit but with a sleeveless blouse and people had a lot of people were very positive about the interview the content of the interview because i was talking about statistics i was talking about equity and how to use statistics to study equity from a balanced perspective and stuff like that you know in terms of gdp or in infant mortality rate and stuff like that and then i talked a little bit about dance and equity and social and social justice and dance and a lot of people had very positive comments saying oh this is a beautiful interview and but then there were people who said what kind of an outfit is this please dress properly people are terrible like 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 <laughs> would they ever say that to a man like seriously so they would never exactly they would never say that to a man right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. and uh, it's a sexist comment the yeah exactly and it it wouldn't have mattered how i would have dressed there would have been some comment about me and uh you know somebody had even in this movie if you see the film i am exposing quite a bit and that yeah. was a very deliberate attempt as well a deliberate decision because i thought you know what the heck you know i i actually don't care if i were living in india maybe i would not have you know done this Sure. but uh i would have probably worn something a little bit more uh conservative but i i feel i feel free enough to wear to wear what i wore in the film and i know people who are going to watch it i haven't released it publicly yet and i'll be releasing it in a in a week i know people who are going to watch it are going to have a lot of reactions especially with respect to the outfit gotcha So let so the film you evolve in this film like the character your character you you you're mm -hmm. the, uh evolve in this film and it starts with the eye. I found that very fascinating where you start the film in a close up with the eye. You're there's a sadness, there's a tinge of sadness, there's tired, you can see the bloodshot and then you end the film with your eye and it's like there's a there's a optimism, there's a happiness that that your that your character that you have and it's like there's like there's hope There's mm -hmm. there's a there's a there's a positive positivity for the future that you got you've gone through the the crap or the the trauma yeah. and you're you've come you've come to the other side. 
that's my perspective of your film. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I have to, uh, you know, there's a little bit of, there is optimism in the film, but there's also kind of like this giving up kind of, uh, you know, um, feeling in in the sense that I'm saying, you know, share, subscribe, comment, like, or even cancel, because that's what we do, isn't it? But is that the best we can do? So I am, I am trying to call for action. Um, I am trying to call people to talk about it and to discuss it. And uh, but there is also that feeling of almost the sarcastic. I don't know if anything will happen from this. Uh, there is there is a little bit of that as well. I'm I'm I was I'm hoping people will talk about it. Yeah. But I'm pretty cynical about it at the same time. And you're looking at the camera like it's like you are with the camera. You even wink at the camera halfway <laughs> through the film. <laughs> so so tell me about the camera work because it's really interesting. Like you're kind of in this white space and then the camera keeps moving in, back, sideways. So tell me about like the, like when you're from a director because you're 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 in front of the camera. So you're also directing. Did you guys like how would you did you storyboard things? Did you how did you set up the the direction? So <clears throat> I did storyboard and um, I had the I had the choreography. So I had two things that were very important to me. One is obviously I wanted the angles to capture the postures in the best possible way they can, right? Because you know I'm giving a lot of sculptural sometimes sculptural poses sometimes the expressions are important sometimes it's the wide angle that's important so i had to think about choreographically what would direct the camera a certain way but then there was also this script wise what would make the camera move a certain way as well so and this is my maiden attempt it might be absolutely i don't i don't even know if it's good or not so <clears throat> but the way I wanted it to be perceived was if if somebody were to look at like a childbirth kind of, you know, that particular moment, can can you feel, you know, because I'm moving this certain way, can you feel the kind of <clears throat> almost, you know, put put in a washer dryer kind of feeling that's how your uterus muscles are going to feel can you feel that kind of a movement so it was it was basically i was trying to look at it how in terms of visually how it would make the maximum impact but i you know i've never been to even a formal film class or anything so it's a very very maiden amateur attempt at filmmaking well, it's a very effective way, if, if I do say so myself. Someone who sees a lot of dance films, uh, maybe more like more than anybody, to be honest with you. And it's a very effective way because it's like you're it's simple, but it's effective, meaning that like it's like because you are in the certain your character, you are in the limelight and you basically you carry the film through. So. And it's very interesting. It's like, it, it's a very interesting choreograph. Like we're not used to seeing this choreograph. So, and you got screen presence. You're very, you're a very effective actor too. So I don't know if you've done, if you want to do some acting, but you have screen presence. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, the white space, since you talked about it, that was very important to me as well, because, you know, for decades when I have been, and when I see other people complaining about, the sexual harassment or the abuse that they've gone through it's like screaming it's like white noise right people just 
they don't yeah. hear it. They hear subtitles there. They hear, they think about, but what were you wearing? Oh, why? Were, what were you doing there? Why were you there? Couldn't you have covered up a little bit more? You know, uh, so, so I wanted to make it look completely white for that one reason, being as if it's, it's the representation of white noise. But I also want, did not want anybody to, to look at anything beside the protagonist because there were so many details in the movement. There were so many details in the, the costuming and the movement pattern and all of that. So I didn't want anybody looking at, oh, look at that mural in the background over there. That looks nice. So I want everybody, you know, the whole concentration to be on the dance and the dancer. Yeah, it's amazing. And then tell the costume. So, so tell me about the costume. So in Bharatanatyam, if you see, typically the costume is a little bit, little bit baggy in in some ways, but a little bit tight in in some ways. Uh, if you look at a typical Bharatanatyam costume, but it covers you fully. It covers you completely. And I wanted to f have one some sense of liberation, and I wanted to I wanted it to have some traditional feel as well. But at the same time, I wanted it to have more of a feeling of freedom as well because costume can mean so much so i'm going to go a little bit into uh, uh, into a tangent here you know bharatanatyam is currently dominated by the brahmin community it's the brahmin community that practices performs and watches this particular dance form it's completely gentrified by this community they've they've come into this probably they came into this probably 80 years ago and mm -hmm. they've completely taken over the dance form so much that nobody from other very oh, oh you can you can of the tens of thousands of Bharatanatyam dancers you can probably count in one finger how many have made it into the dance world from oppressed communities from the oppressed communities and um they've alienated everybody else so much you know the brahmins are the dominant community they've alienated people so much that now they've taken the dance and gentrified it hegemonized it and even the costume that they wear has become brahminical so i wanted to remove all of that and make it something that was completely back to the roots tamar as well but also have it free in the tamar tradition you know, you know uh, before the british came in in the indian tradition i would say most most women were topless they did not wear anything yeah. and then it was only after the colonial rule uh, that we started wearing blouses and stuff so obviously i couldn't be topless but i wanted something that most mimics that kind of a feeling yeah. but at the same time i wanted it to show some power and hence i wanted to give the red and the black and gotcha. the stark colors as well it's interesting the conservative kind of uh environment with females and then you guys were there was like there was like a whole culture of topless topless women yeah but it's but it was it's hot i don't blame <laughs> them right it's hot it's hot <laughs> it's hot it's yeah. hot in india yeah. i mean <laughs> Yeah, why not? What's the big yeah? But that's so interesting. And then then the colonialism, yeah, which is a whole other topic. So then tell me about the lastly, tell me about the music. Uh, who did the music? So the music uh, is done by a composer called Rekha Ravindran. She's based out of Malaysia. She's a fantastic musician uh, and composer. So 
I wanted the music to have, I wanted obviously spoken word. Usually Bharatanatyam does not use spoken word. It usually uses only music. It's either sung or there are vocal percussion syllables that are uttered. So I wanted it to have not a song, but some sort of, you know, musical background, but I wanted it to have some rhythmic syllables as well and spoken word be the master of it all, be the hero or the heroine of this piece. So, so I came up with this idea that I'm going to go through in the music, there's a pattern that you will see. Um, for example, it, the first one will begin with ta, di, nu, me. So if we call that as the slow speed, then it'll repeat in the second speed. The faster speed. And it will kind of go over and over in this kind of a rhythmic pattern. It's kind of all it I made it I made that in such a way that you feel that this abuse is a cycle. It is a continuing cycle of abuse that always keeps happening mm -hmm. so so i told reka i want this these syllables that i'm saying and then i want my spoken word but i want some music that's not that feels a little bit more international but that is also has some indian tinge to it so she was she was fantastic and she came up with this ensemble uh in malaysia that performed for this um for the spoken word and for the rhythmic syllables that I had sent. So I recorded it here, my part here, sent it to her, and then she did the music for it. And it, I think it has come out very, very well. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. So this is a really solid um, dance film. And are you gonna make, are you gonna make other films? Or you, you, you got the bug, do you wanna make more dance films or films in general? Uh, probably dance films. I'm thinking about it because my next project is about casteism um, and how casteism has crept into the United States as well. The Indian diaspora in the US is most of them are so entrenched in this feeling of communalism and uh, there are caste identity groups so much that, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cisco case uh, in the Silicon Valley where uh, there was a Title IX, well, they wanted to call it a Title IX violation, but basically there was caste discrimination in terms of promoting somebody, I mean, of Indian origin by other people of Indian origin who were of the dominant caste. So the SB 403 bill in California is focused on becoming, on uh, including caste in, as part of the Title IX, uh, not, not Title IX, but as part of the anti-caste, anti-religion, anti-discrimination you know, anti clause. And I know Toronto is making big waves in that as well, because uh, the Toronto School Board, just about five, six months ago, they had come up with uh, lots of narratives about how Indian students, students of Indian and Sri Lankan origins had been discriminated against when they come from the oppressed communities by other South Asian kids from the dominant communities as yeah. well. So I want to include that as a, so I want to bring some, um, I want to, I, I want to bring this to light because most Americans, when they think about South Asians, they think we're the model minority. We are good at maths. We're good at science. And that's, that's where it ends. We have accents and we eat curry. Uh, so it's a very stereotypical idea. So I want to, 
say, okay, there are a lot more nuances in this. Sure. I mean, don't just celebrate Diwali because you're trying to be inclusive. Just look at what it actually means. It's it's good for one community, but it's 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 really detrimental to another community that's from the south of India. So I want to I want to get some um what do you call it? Some awareness going on about caste. Sure. My next effort. Well, I can't. I can't wait to see it. I think this is a great, fantastic film, and uh, thank you for submitting. And I hope you enjoyed the audience feedback. And let's. Why don't we talk again uh, when that film is made? When you make your next film. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much. One, two, three, four, five, six.